This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. all love planet Earth, and every year we get a chance to show our gratitude towards our home by stopping to think about our impact on the world. As we ponder the effect of our personal and collective footprints on the environment, let's stop asking whether climate change is happening or whether humans are causing it. Instead, we need to ask, what can we do? In honor of Earth Day, Lisa and I sat down with Kamea Chain the host of the Green Dreamer podcast, a program where she curiously and critically explores our varied paths to ecological regeneration, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. In this episode, we discuss the top 10 things consumers can do to stop climate change, the impact of plastics on the environment, and more. This episode will leave you with many actionable tips and tricks you can take to make a positive impact on the world every day. Hey, Kamea, welcome to Good Together. We're so excited to have you. Hey, thank you. It's an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Great. And just before we jump into the conversation with you, which we are really looking forward to, and um, I wanted to give a shout out to our listeners and members of our Facebook group called Good Together Ethical Shopping and Lifestyle, where we discuss all the Good Together episodes and in general, any things relating to sustainability, product recommendations, ethical living tips, and all good things like that. Yeah, and I think some of our listeners, sorry, some of our Facebook group uh, members have recommended Kamea's podcast before, so they're big fans of you too. Oh, <laughs> so glad great. to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Megan James, uh, one of our Facebook members, and of course, listeners, she posted a very cool quiz, and it says, how many planets does it take to sustain your lifestyle? And a lot of our community members took this quiz. It's a very short one, but I actually got like, I think, 3.5 Earth results, and I think it's it's a great uh, starting conversation point for the conversation about climate change today. And it's like, how do we minimize our impact on the earth and uh, how we live our life more sustainably and reduce climate change effects? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I'll have to learn more about like what that unit means because like 1.8 Earths doesn't mean a lot to me. Just well, I mean, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so it would be really interesting to take that quiz and get into the conversation. If you're curious like me. Go ahead and do it. 
Camille, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Green Dreamer has been one of these sort of, in my mind, OG ethical and sustainable living podcasts out there. And so I wonder if you could just kind of introduce yourself, let our listeners know a little bit more about Green Dreamer and what inspired you to get started on this journey. Yeah, of course. And thank you. That is too kind of you to say. Um, So I'm Kamea. I am the host of Green Dreamer, also the author of Thrive and A Conscious Creative. And what got me personally started was, uh, I believe it was in 2016 or 2017, I started learning more and more about all of these social and environmental issues. And it's kind of like opening a can of worms, because once you start learning about one thing, you then learn about something else and something else and something else. Yes, so it totally. just started, <laughs> yeah, it just started feeling really overwhelming. And um, I definitely went through a phase when I was really down and feeling hopeless about everything, not sure what I could do personally. Uh, and that was also the time when I started listening to more podcasts about other things that I was interested in. And I just loved the format for being able to learn wherever I was. So while I was driving, uh, making breakfast, unwinding before going to bed and et cetera, it was just like a really intimate form uh, of media that I could take with me no matter where I was. So then kind of combining the two with me feeling kind of disempowered and not sure what could be done to support a healthier, uh, more peaceful and a more ethical future. Um, I was like, why don't I learn about what other people are doing to help address all of these issues and uh, share these conversations in a podcast format so that other people who were feeling uh, depressed and down like I was could also hopefully get motivated and inspired by what other people are doing and uh, be motivated to start something of their own or to contribute in any way that they can. That's awesome. I mean, I think like it's very, thank you for sharing your, your kind of journey and thought process. I think we've all been there. And I think the most important thing is for all of us to kind of realize we have to do something about yeah. that, right? And that's the first starting point. And you've done so much and you've inspired so many people already. Yeah. And I, I want to say that's why we call this podcast Good Together. Like we're literally like, how can we all, both as conscious consumers, but also just as people who live on this planet um, come together to create the maximum amount of good. And so when did you start doing Green Dreamer? How how long has it been now? Uh, I started May of 2018. So it's about to be two years. That's so exciting. And what would you say, I guess this is this is something I'm thinking of on the spot, but can you tell me maybe one of the most impactful um, guests you've had on the podcast and maybe like what that conversation looked like? Oh, man. I can't answer that. There's there's <laughs> been way too many conversations and I don't know, there just there's just been so many really eye-opening conversations that uh maybe one of them will get me to think in a new way and uh invite me to see that you know there's this other thing that relates to sustainability that I can then get a guest uh to speak about and then I learn more from that. So it's definitely been a journey and there were definitely more than one huge like aha moments for me and I'm sure we're gonna go over plenty of them throughout this conversation yeah for sure and I I, the other thing we like to think about is uh, the concept of just going down a rabbit hole basically you learn one thing 
maybe somebody finds an interesting fact and shares it with you. And then you're like, wow, I had no idea that X, Y, and Z was bad for the environment. And then you kind of dig further and further. And so one of the things we like to talk about, in addition to being conscious consumers, like to talk a lot about being curious consumers and just like having that beginner's mind, being excited and um, you know, to learn more, right? Lisa and I like that we do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah but I also kind of taught myself in it, like, we have so much information being ported us from all the different channels. Um, I kind of taught myself also train myself almost to like question everything I hear. Uh, <laughs> and I know, I think you have done such a great job with your podcast, like researching your pieces, information, same, same thing, what we are trying to do with good together, but you know, you, and you probably, and something we all are aware of in the sustainability area is the you know the greenwashing and all of the questions and uncertainty is climate change happening or is it not or what we can do can we actually do anything like consumers it's all about government so yeah i think being curious about it and asking questions and again it's that's the starting point yeah, yeah. and um one coming one of the things i noticed on green dreamer and then of course also on your on the website for green dreamer was there's quite a few pieces around things consumers can do to stop climate change. So I wonder if you can kind of like walk us through maybe the the problem space as you see it from a consumer's perspective and then kind of get into some of these top things. And like Lisa and I can jump in with some ideas too, but I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of the conversation around climate change has focused on how can we reduce our emissions? How can we reduce our negative impact? And I think that is definitely a really key part of the equation, but I feel like that misses out the larger context. So even if we were to stop burning fossil fuels and emitting CO2 through human activity today, the reality is that if our ecosystems are degraded and our biological carbon cycle, water cycle, and nutrient cycles are broken, like these are the things that actually regulate the climate, then it won't be enough to address climate change. So I really encourage people to go from thinking about how we can reduce our negative impact and reduce our emissions to how we can create positive impacts through supporting uh, the restoration of our ecosystems, local bioregional rewilding, and also the regeneration of healthy soils, which is integral to supporting um, our carbon cycle and water cycles to heal and therefore be able to better regulate our climate. And this is a really interesting that I learned uh, recently that 90% of our greenhouse gases by volume is actually water vapor. So that that becomes really important to keep in mind and points to how important it is for us to focus on restoring our natural ecosystems as opposed to just lowering our emissions. I love what you said, because I actually I was just trying to remember I heard it in the other podcast, of course, um, it's not necessarily about climate change, but the, the same idea that you're trying to make, it's not a, enough to reduce emissions, you have to heal the system. And you, that, uh, the, uh, that special expert was specifically talking about trash. It's like no matter how much trash we can, uh, we can uh, prevent from going into, um, into the systems we need to figure out what to do with the existing trash. You know what I mean? It's like he has very cool nonprofits. He actually pays people in developing countries to bring in trash. So mm. it's kind of solving poverty, giving uh, poor people who need money, but also taking pr- a trash away from the streets. Uh, so like, again, same thing with climate change, like with emissions. Yes, we have to stop emissions, but we also have to come up with healthy, sustainable systems and regenerative solutions too. Yeah, and uh, Kamea, you I noticed you um, in particular put a lot of content out 
out about this regenerative agriculture. So what's one thing that like, is this something that you could take in, um, like as a consumer, you could do at home, like by doing your own little garden, or is this more like on a farming or industrial scale? Yeah, so there are definitely several ways we can support uh, regeneration. So if we were to be really direct with it, things that we can do at home are composting, um, growing some of our own heirloom varieties of vegetables, if we're able to, uh, or also if we have patios or gardens, growing more native plant species that actually help to support our bioregional landscapes and our bioregional wildlife. And then, of course, you know, food is a really important part of sustainable or regenerative living because we interact with it every day and we need it every day. And our consumer power really goes a long way there. So there's a new certification coming out later this year called the Regenerative Organic Certification. And so they specifically will be focusing on uh, certifying agriculture and farms that are uh, focusing on three things. So animal welfare is one, um, the fair treatment of the farm workers and people, the people involved in in that um, in the farm. And the third one is also that the farm really takes care of the soil and really f- works on regenerating healthy soils. So there are both direct ways that we can do support regeneration right at home and then also uh, indirectly through the things that we buy. And yeah, yeah so I, I, I would definitely look out for that certification rolling out. Did I see that on, I feel like I was in Patagonia store uh, the other day. I think I saw that certification that they're just star- uh, starting to play with, uh, to work with re- regenerative farms. Oh, Have cool. you heard of yeah. that? Yeah. Patagonia is one of the uh, brands that's leading the regenerative organic certification label. So I believe um, their CEO is on the board of the no. certification. And they also have someone from Dr. Bronner's, Rodale's uh, Institute, and a lot of the pioneers in this space, this is really. fascinating. Yeah, I, I will, this is new to me. So we'll definitely include some links in, in the show notes so people can learn more. But we're such Patagonia fangirls over here. <laughs> yes. It's funny because they, <laughs> they touch so many issues that are important to people. And so like whether that is, you know, finding new ways to use plastics in their fabrics, but also realizing that they don't want those fabrics to then shed off plastic again. So like, they're really thinking through those types of things. But then this really fascinates me that they're also part of this new certification. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, (laughs) they're just doing everything that's really needed. So they're my favorite brands, too. That's amazing. Actually, on the topic of plastics, um, I noticed that you uh, are also very passionate about getting consumers to think more about the environmental impact of plastics, um, just whether you are using them in your daily life or, you know, you're going to the hospital and see all these like uh, things thrown away. Like, I, mean, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about the, the again, the problem and sort of some actionable things that people can do um, to either reduce their plastic, um, you know, consumption or maybe even just spark conversation in their communities. Yeah. So I feel like plastic pollution has been uh, talked about a lot in the recent years, which is amazing. Like National Geographic had an entire year theme that had something to do with plastic. I forget what oh, it was planet or plastic. That was their campaign. So I feel like most people okay. are already pretty aware of how single use plastic trash has been 
polluting our environments, our oceans, waterways. Uh, there are certainly a lot of really famous photographs of wildlife actually being suffocated by our plastic trash um, and things like that. So yeah, it's very, very sad to see. Um, I feel like we need to talk a lot more about microplastics as well that you, you mentioned earlier. Um, And also the, not just the plastics themselves, but the chemicals used to form certain properties in that plastic. So certain colors or certain performance properties and et cetera, because those are the things that are, invisible to the human eye, but that when they're attached to the plastic pieces and that ends up in our waterways, that can end up to also contaminate our waterways and and cause harm to wildlife. And then of course come back to us as well. So like um different studies differ in terms of what they found, but there's one study that found that in a typical wash, so, so when we use our washing machines, 700,000 fibers can come off and because of their minuscule size, bypass wastewater treatment systems and then enter our waterways. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And I'm like such a laundry girl too. I do so much laundry because I just really like clean sheets and towels and everything like that. And I am very conscious of the fact that every time I do this, it's not great for the environment. And so one of the things we like to share sometimes is like, yeah, like, what are you, what are we doing personally? Like, what are we struggling with? And for me, laundry has always been a biggest struggle. Um, I've read somewhere that you can find things like a guppy or do different um, new types of installs on your system to potentially capture some of that plastic from coming back. So have you ever used one of those? I have not. And I personally tend to think more preventively. So I've really minimized and I don't really own anything that I wear on a regular basis that I wash that are that consist of plastic fibers. That's so a good point. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to start at the very beginning to just reduce my need to even need sort of these um, these solutions later on. Yeah. But I know that's not practical because there are also a lot of great secondhand clothes that are that are made of. Uh, microplastic fibers. So I think that it's still definitely important to have these options for people that uh, choose to go that route. Yeah. And I also, um, I remember I read or like heard a presentation from uh, someone at Levis, uh, which they're pretty good. Levi's. Levi's. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Someone on there at Sustainability Council and he was saying that I think drying actually clothes is one of the most wasteful and polluting aspects of doing laundry as well. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just air drying um, some of my clothing pieces last week. And I was like, yeah, this is actually, I think it's one of the great ways you can reduce your, uh, you know, energy consumption mm-hmm. and your waste too, especially like we in California, we have, if we have space. Well, it also helps like preserve the life of your garment too, that, right? Yep, like yep, yep. in addition to shrinking things that we're all very familiar with, um, you know, most of the, actually, certainly more of the organic or, um, you know, kinder fabrics, a lot of times they can be a little bit more delicate. Um, I'm thinking specifically about a few pieces I've gotten from Amor Vare. I love them to death. Um, they use a lot of like lyocell and some really nice bamboo fabrics, but those are not, they really don't hold up well at all in the dryer. So I've tried to be really cognizant of that. Um, so yeah, I, I love the, the thought about not even bringing, if you can help it, not even bringing some of those um, fabrics into your home. And like, I personally also can't stand the way I'm like a very tactile person. So if something does have like 
a lot of these tech fabrics for me, while um, I can appreciate the thought that goes into their performance, like we also have to consider the environmental impact of them um, and then whether or not they feel good on your skin. Like mm-hmm. I get weird where I'm like, oh, it feels like too shiny or I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just want to add, like, even for me, even though I prioritize natural fibers and a lot of other people out there are making this shift as well, it doesn't exempt us from uh potentially having some negative impact from the effluent that comes out of our washing machines. Because the other thing is most of our clothes, even natural fibers, they may be dyed using uh, toxic dyes like azo dyes. So I believe azo dye still makes up the majority of uh, what what fabrics use to dye their clothes um, or to dye fabrics with. So that is also something really important to keep in mind is that just because uh, certain clothes may may have natural fibers. Those if those fibers have been treated with like uh, a- anti wrinkle wrinkle resistant uh, chemicals or uh, waterproof chemicals or fire fire resistant chemicals or with azo dyes like I mentioned earlier when they bypass the wastewater treatment system and enter our waterways, that's still a cause of pollution. So that's another thing that we have to keep in mind. Yes, absolutely. So about other actions people can do to reduce um, climate change in their own personal lives. And Lisa, I think you had a few few things you wanted to chat about. Yeah, I read that in one 2017 study, um, Lund's University uh, ranked 148 individual actions that you can take on climate change. And actually, they found that going car-free was the number one most effective action you can take as individual. I was wondering what your thoughts were on this, Camille. Um, I mean, if if they've done the study and they've said <laughs> it, then I'm sure it has a lot of validity to it. Um, I, I feel like that, again, focuses on how we reduce our emissions, which again is really important. Um, But I feel like something like transportation is something that unless people are overly going on too many vacations and traveling Mm -hmm. too much in that sense, like I think we can all try to try to plan our vacation strategically to bulk our trips um, or to opt for trips closer to where we are compared to trips that are really far away but a lot of people have to drive for for certain things in their lives. They have to get to work. They they maybe can't afford the extra time to wait for um, buses or yeah. public transportation, depending on the city, right? Because exactly. places like New York has amazing public transportation because it's such a condensed city that it works out really well. And where I grew up, Taipei is also a really condensed city. So the public transportation system is really amazing. But here in LA, at least, because everything is so spread out, it just takes so long for people to get from point A to point B through entirely public transportation. And even if people take the tram to one place, they may have to then switch over to a bus and then um, transfer to a different bus to then get to where they need to go. So um, a lot of people have time constraints and can't make that can't make that a part of their daily routine. So for the car issue, I feel like we need to just do the best that we can. And of course, for people that are uh, buying a new car or buying a new used car, which is even better, if there are ways to look for cars with better fuel efficiency or even electric cars, 
um, or hydrogen fuel is another option, then yeah, there, there are a bunch of ways we can improve on that front for sure. Absolutely. I Again, we like to talk about the journey that people go on. We like to talk about meeting people in the middle. And it just totally depends on where you're listening to this podcast from. Like, these and I are both based in the Bay Area, which has decent public transportation, pretty good bus system, um, you know, decent, um, you know, railway, etc. But yeah, we're actually in LA too now, um, as part of our accelerator program. And you know, I've had to be driving every day. And I, you know, had kind of forgotten just had been in the Bay Area for so long that I've forgotten how much of a daily, um, you know, daily uh, schlep it is to get in my car. (laughs) However, like, that's what most people are dealing with. And so I again, I I love your thought process here, Kamea, around like, trying to get to an even different conversation where we're not thinking so much about reduction. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is really important, but I feel like there there are just a lot of limitations around how much people can currently reduce their emissions based on the system that we've set up. So like, why are our cars so reliant on fossil fuels? It's kind of because we already set up an entire economy that is that is entirely reliant on fossil fuels. So for things like this, I'm interested in the bigger systemic changes that we can make that will then translate to us having a lot of better options that we can easily make. So I like to think about how can we make these decisions so easy for people that they don't really have to go out of their way or drastically uh, change their lives in order to achieve? Because the issues of accessibility and affordability and all that jazz is really pertinent to these conversations as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we can actually start moving on to uh, our few questions that we always ask uh, our guests in the very end of the episodes, uh, but we are not in a rush because we still, I think you still have a wealth of knowledge to share. So the first <laughs> question, which, which we kind of have been discussing this a bit is, can you share one or two actionable tips on living ethically related to what we talked about today? So basically another way of asking, do you have any other tips <laughs> on how we can kind of change our daily uh, lifestyle habits uh, to make us more more climate positive. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say the two most important ones is to grow some of your own native plants or heirloom vegetables and to compost. And I think this is really important because it helps us to directly remember and be connected to the carbon cycle. And remember that this whole conversation about carbon, it's not just about carbon emissions. It's about this carbon cycle itself. So by growing some of our own plants, and then of course, we're eating whatever we eat every day, we might have some food waste, and then we compost it, it becomes uh, nutrients that can then be used to uh, be added into the soil, which supports more of the plant growth. That's a very direct way for us to remember that nature is a functioning ecosystem that we have to Kind of close this loop of the carbon cycle and the water cycle and the nutrient cycle and things like that. So Absolutely. these are typically the most important or um, the the most direct tips that I give people. But certainly there's like a lot of other things that we can be doing as well. For sure. And I love that we um, sort of as millennials are thinking more and more about native plants. I feel like our parents' generation was very interested in having like this, the green lawn, like the very um, picture perfect landscape, for instance. And one thing that I was actually just recently in Palm Springs, and I noticed that, of course, Palm Springs is a desert. um, But you know, in the in the oasis of the desert, 
there's of course like lots of suburbs that have popped up in Palm Springs. But one thing that I thought was great was I noticed that more and more people were kind of getting rid of those green lawns and using more traditional landscape, um, like deserty type plants. So cacti and succulents and things like that. And, and they still look beautiful. Like you can find um, varieties of those plants that bloom um, and that make like a really beautiful landscape. So I love that piece. We also did an article, um, and I believe we, we covered it slightly in a podcast once, yep. mm-hmm. um, about, um, it, we called it the birds and the bees, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we talked a lot about how um, utilizing the proper plants um, in your home and your landscape can actually really help benefit wildlife, to your point. So I, it's really interesting. Again, like I, I think it's so fascinating to be able to get into the space and realize that you know there's so many things that you can do every day. Um, of course, we want to make sure that people don't get too overwhelmed. So pick a few things to start with if you're new, um, and then you'll find quickly that it's it's not so difficult to do, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I'm definitely into plants. I think all my friends know that. Yes. <laughs> she, no, I have to say, literally, when I go over to Lisa's house, I have a joke, and I'm like, hey, Lisa, am I in the jungle? <laughs> she has so many plants. I'm trying to get there. And yeah, I'm fortunate enough to have like a little garden area. And yeah, I mean, it's very easy to uh, to start growing your things. Like there's a lot of popular kits you can buy right now. Mm-hmm. I even got this kit called, it's, like, it's a candle, but after you use it, you can use it as a planter and they have give you seeds and the starting kit and oh, the, cool. the feed for your plants too. Well, let's so, link to it. I yeah. want one of those. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not as scary as it seems. That's, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, we one time um, when we started to think through business cards, so we actually, um, when we go to conferences and things now, we have digital business cards so that we don't have to be like using paper um, or we have stickers. Like if people do want something physical, we can let people to put a sticker on their laptop, but those aren't like customized for our names. Um, but we did back in the day have business cards that were plantable seed mm-hmm. paper. And that was always kind of fun. People yeah. thought that was like a nice uh, conversation topic. Um, yeah. So Lisa, there's a few other things you want to ask Amir, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our community, um, Good Together, Brightly community, they have favorite thing about us is of course community but second favorite is product recommendations mm-hmm. so we were wondering if you can tell us um, a few of your favorite ethical brand and or product and why something maybe your recent favorite i know you know tons of <laughs> yeah there are a lot but i'll just mention two more recent ones that i've fallen in love with and just as a disclaimer i have no working relationships with these brands i just really love them so the first one is a fashion brand called gaia conceptions i don't know if you guys have heard of it no we haven't yet but we definitely mm-hmm. want to check them out yeah so they're amazing everything is made to order so it does take some time to get to you but that's kind of the beauty of it uh you can customize the size from extra extra small to xxx large so that's amazing Uh, You can also customize the... So they have a bunch of different styles. And even within those styles, you can customize the length of the sleeve. So if you you want like uh, sort of a tank dress instead of a long sleeve dress, or if you want a long sleeve dress or like a short sleeve dress, you can customize the length of the sleeves and also the length of um, the pants and dresses. So I'm personally petite. I'm pretty short. Uh, So this has been amazing because it means that I can order these dresses or pants uh, with shortened uh, leg parts or pants (laughs) and and, and skirts and things like that. So then I don't have to get them tailored when I already spent so much money on um, these things being made to begin with. So I just love being able to customize so many features. And you can also customize the color. So there's a long list of 
colors that they use. And the best part is that a lot of those options are plant dyes. So I've been also really trying to prioritize clothes that are dyed using plants so that it really supports the soil to soil concept of circularity, where at the very end of this t-shirt's life, it can return safely into the soil completely without meaning needing to worry about um, the synthetic dyes used or the chemicals used. So I love Gaia Conceptions. uh, That sounds amazing. And I also feel like um, the whole made to order fashion revolution. We also did a podcast about this too. um, What was actually one of our first episodes, but I am so excited for that to become more and more part of our, our culture. I do think it's going to require a shift from people who are used to getting these like two day prime now packages delivered to them. Um, But thinking through the fact that you're going to have this beautiful personalized garment that is made just for you. And now you don't have to be some like movie star to get it. Like, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. The the college revolution, because again, we've done it for years. Like our our mother, grandmothers, probably not so much mothers. They've done it. And when I went to uh, Ghana, you know, it's, it's, that's how they buy clothes. You know, they go to seamstresses in the market, they choose their material and colors and they get everything customized. Right. But for us, it's complete revolution. Exactly. Because there were a couple of generations that we just get used to buying everything in the mall. Um, all right. So, no, I think there was one more she wanted to tell us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did have one more. Um, (laughs) and the other brand that I discovered quite recently is called Danu Organics. That's spelled D-A-N-U Organics. Uh, I believe it's pretty new as a brand. It's a loungewear brand that uses colored cotton. So organic cotton or cotton used to have a lot of different colors that they come in. But because we've sort of uh, really capitalized on the white cotton, a lot of the other species or other varieties of cotton have really either gone extinct or have just really been marginalized. So there's this woman, Sally Fox, uh, based in the... Northern California region that is like a seed scientist. And she really focused on breeding colored cotton that naturally has a sand color. So it's like a stunning color that is naturally a part of the cotton itself. So Donu Organics uses her cotton. It's undyed cotton and it has a beautiful sand color. So for loungewear, it's amazing because I don't know. It just feels good to know that nothing, this is pure. Like it's literally just the cotton itself. And again, it goes to, yeah. Lisa just pulled it up on Instagram and it's really, I think it's so, first of all, I love the color to me. It also reminds me of kind of like millennial pink. So it's like very on, uh, very trendy right now, but also classic. Like, I mean, although we love like this, this kind of neutral is having a moment, like it's a neutral, like it will never go out of style. So how cool is that? I had no idea. So cool. Um, so I guess the final question we wanted to end with, uh, Kamea, is, you know, you have been a part of the movement for quite a while. You've seen things like conscious consumerism go from being a really small, excited uh, community to now entering more and more into the mainstream. So if you had to say uh, one thing, like what excites you the most about the ethical and sustainable movement right now? Hmm. I'll say two things. So the first one is just Uh, the internet and social media, they're definitely ups and downs. But the upside is that it allows people to, it really democratizes information and allows people to connect with other people like them and uh, 
for us to know that we're not alone because it's it's hard sometimes to learn about all these issues without having other people to talk to about it. So I feel like just the community aspect that the internet and the social media provides for people within this space has been really profound. It's able to help mobilize people for people to get together, to work on things together. So that certainly really excites me about where we are right now, especially because the awareness level is continuing to rise and people want to get involved. People want to contribute however they can. So just seeing this continual growth and awareness has been really exciting and seeing people wanting to get their hands dirty, wanting to uh, you know, asking questions like, what can I do? I want to do something. Um, I I would like to be a part of this movement. So just people's excitement, uh, like that, just it's, it's been really heartening to see. And the final one I'll say is, uh, kind of going full circle on a lot of things that we talked about is I am just really excited about this regenerative movement because it really puts a positive spin on things. Like it's not just about uh, reducing the negative impact that we have, which can still feel, which can still make people feel guilty no matter how hard you try, but we can actually contribute to doing good and we can actually help to heal our, our lands and we can help to uh, create positive impacts and restore, rewild and regenerate. That's amazing. I mean, we, we are just so thrilled that you were able to join us and spread your wealth of knowledge um, about all things ethical and sustainable. Yeah, thank you so much, Camille. Yeah, and I love that you talked about community, about coming together, about not kind of guilt tripping anyone, uh, starting where we are, starting with small changes and learning from each other. That's very inspiring, I think. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.